Chapter Thirteen of the Death of Society, a Novel of Tomorrow, by Romer Wilson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Thirteen. Presently, Smith and Natalia met in the stable yard, and she bade Old Nils saddle her mare. He said it was too wet, but Natalia declared that it was not and in spite of many rumbling curses he saddled the horses though he intimated that young people were out of their wits he says we are mad said natalia to smith but that is because he is lazy and does not want to clean them when they come in one is always mad to take a well-groomed horse out of a stable it seems according to nils smith was glad to see his horse again and the panther was most glad to see him does your mare speak english or norwegian he asked natalia as the panther nosed in his coat stop it panther i haven't anything for you she speaks horse language of course natalia answered but smith said he refused to believe that the mare and the panther could understand one another so she said she would put it to nils and hear what he had to say on the matter nils mumbled something at which she laughed nils said it might be different if both were mares she said but that men and women understand one another pretty well whatever either of them speaks nils said smith is a wise old man but not wishing the girl to make any application of the case he remarked quickly by god it is wet are you sure it is not too wet for you i am not going back now she cried and as the horses were ready they mounted and rode out of the stable yard which way he asked down to Tagesso, she replied, it will not be so wet under the trees. It was raining thickly, and wet mist drifted across the face of the hills, sometimes coming down upon them, then drifting high again like ragged mournful ghosts of the Valkyrie. Under the trees it was more sheltered, though dark and damp and silent, and the soft hissing rustle of the rain in the treetops could be heard overhead as if the ghosts trailed their wild draperies against the branches as they sped sighing over forest and mountain water ran down the trunks of the trees and formed rivulets down the bad road and every now and then smith's head brushed a hanging branch and a heavy shower of water fell upon him which startled his horse and made natalia laugh her laugh did not come cheerfully in those wet woods it had no ring in it and mouldered away as laughter does in old time-stricken churches which god has long given over to the bats and some old devil's laughing-stock of a parson when they emerged into the open road along the lake the rain drifted into their faces and the wind scurried the snow-chilled clouds down upon them from the mountains wolfzeter appeared now like a lonely eagle's nest among the fringes of the clouds then vanished out of sight no view could be seen no other world of hills and sky shone in the waters of the lake its surface stretched away into the rain and mist a dismal sheet of rain-flecked greyness it will be better in the forest beyond said natalia there the trees are very old and thick and we can ride about under them as dry as in a house smith cared not to believe it but when he came there he found she was right there the forest was a place of dreams a palace of dark green hung with heavy sombre banners from a high roof supported by immense ruddy brown pillars with a scaly surface of tortoise-shell this is the palace of queen hulda i say who rules over bears wolves foxes wolverines and the great reindeer 
said natalia as they entered its gloomy shades she makes war on werewolves and hobgoblins and nightmares and all those things and against the king of the mountains with his hordes of lemmings that high pile of mossy rocks is her throne and i am her particular godchild she has taught me to dance on a moonbeam and sing to a gossamer harp songs which mean nothing and have never been heard i believe you said smith everything is credible to me now natalia laughed as they rode slowly round the vast forest hall those are little girls fancies she cried some more said smith they are enchanting i know witchcraft from her elderberries brood in snow under the midsummer moon with the midnight sun in the sky make a love drink like isolde gave tristan but the runes must be said between the old and the new day so that the sun can carry them his highest over the north where the fates are and what are the runes asked smith that she taught me yes that she taught you he has nearly forgotten rosa ingman said natalia to herself if i was only a fairy he'd never go back never and i'd take him over the hills up to wild places he'd be surprised how i love him smith smiled at her from his horse and said what are you thinking i was thinking an enchantment to enchant me whom you enchanted long ago yes 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 cried natalia and rising in her stirrups recited in a shrill voice fata 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 ha enthli kitame ru udor di mane morsul in takor that she laughed is the language of queen hulda it's an enchantment to brew into the tea and it's sure to come right if the water boils up of its own accord her cheeks were flaming red with the rain in her excitement and to smith she looked most brilliant and fairy-like as she rode along under the dark trees has it ever boiled for you he said laughing and his eyes became bright and his heart delighted of course she said wishing there were no everyday reasons such as money and food to prevent her enticing smith farther and farther away he would go back to the house soon and then love her again out of good will and this so marvellous language is it written no she laughed you don't learn it queen hulda gives it to you it has a real meaning mane morsel that's round and about it all translates as real languages do i said a great deal of it when i was young i won't laugh at it now because one never knows no he said it might come from mars or be something the witches told us or the ghosts he suggested when i am not here i say it is poetry made up of nonsensical sounds i like i see said smith now came the moment to try her power over him she thought so she suddenly urged up her horse and shouting something unintelligible and wild galloped down a clear way smith did not follow her action took him by surprise he started and pulled his horse up sharp as her cry echoed against the surrounding rocks but no venusburg opened in the dark ravine no troop of supernatural beings danced before him in the gloomy and forsaken forest his horse was on edge it wished to dash after the mare along the ravine he himself wished to turn and race back to the house he suddenly felt miserable wet and lonely he had been led out into this wilderness by a sprite which intended to destroy him a sprite with the power to counterfeit at times rosa ingman his horse turned and twisted under the rain until he all but lost his patience curse you panther he cried curse you and the horse reared onto its hind legs 
I am not going down the forest, you brute, he muttered. Curse that silly girl. And the horse waltzed round and about and round again. I know you, said Smith. You'd scrape me off your back under a bow, you merciless brute. Natalia galloped up again, crying, Come on, Torvald Torvaldson. Steady, he shouted, or we shall have a catastrophe. The horse swirled and turned, bucked and sprang, but at last he got it started on the way home and they went back out onto the lake road into the driving rain the panther's temper was up and it shied and jibbed and racketed till smith could barely hold it with the wet reins go home said smith to natalia this animal has got his spirits up i shall keep him out in the forest natalia left him and her tears in the rain ran down her cheeks together with men the business in hand was always more important than a girl smith liked his horse better than her company smith turned again and went back into the forest down the road ha he cried to his horse you big brute when you are in a better temper we will go a ride together but his own temper was up and not on account of the horse but irrationally and they waltzed and pranced in the gloomy hall of trees as if they were riding in a ghostly tourney before an invisible guinevere at last he got the horse resentfully to acknowledge that it could not expect to throw him angry though he was in finding itself unable to crush him against the pillars of the trees or dash his brains out under a low bough it submitted to walking on the road stiffly and with jerks and spasms until it saw that no amount of cunning could produce the slightest inattention in its rider old panther old panther said smith kindly you and i are back to front to-day this is no country for you and me it goes to the head and the animal recognized the master it knew and loved you ruddy nag he exclaimed endearingly using bryce's comprehensive appellation for horse-flesh his horse however only accorded the fight gradually in order not to lose its dignity and smith found all his attention necessary as he rode north along the forest way they went along for some time between the ever-narrowing rocks of the ravine and after a while came to a ford which smith did not at first think fit to cross but curiosity about the road beyond and a desire to get out into the world once more urged him to go over to the other side and he entered the stream cautiously it foamed up to the saddle girths and wetted his shins up to the knee for it was swollen with rain and melted snow the ravine now became so narrow that the road and stream ran parallel for some little distance and the rocks thirty feet overhead closed to a grey streak of daylight after a while it opened again and not far ahead smith could hear the roar of falling water the trees cleared and suddenly the stream fell away in a cataract forty feet in height the basin below the fall was a dismal sight full of wreckage of trees and rocks brought down by an avalanche of mud and snow which had swept from the heights above rain drifted dismally past the wind whined feebly in the wet trees and little stones caked with dirty snow rolled all the while down the appalling bank of mud as if the whole avalanche had only paused on its journey and were rousing itself to turn and gather down the valley the road was completely blocked and since he could get no farther he reined in his horse and sat contemplating the desolation desolate old boy he said to his horse and his mind went back to the deserted and desolate trenches do you remember old boy do you remember bryce 
it seemed as if bryce's ghost on a fat bay horse was beside him looking at the avalanche he seemed to hear his voice say in lazy pleasure over the dismal sight say angel some tip some ruddy rubbish tip and the wind wailed a feeble echo on its cracked cords in the trees overhead funny old bryce said smith to himself and the ghost as it faded away murmured what's wrong in loving angel as if that were what it had really come to say good old bryce thought smith he'd have sympathized his horse jerked nervously at the bridle because it felt that danger was about but smith kept it there and stared down upon the desolate scene which since the road was impassable had become land's end to him like all men he hesitated to leave a place which awakened his sense of horror and catastrophe it filled his heart with a longing for something hidden deep in nature roused some memory perhaps of the back ages of man or brought back homesickness for prehistoric days when the ice crept down over scandinavia and dismal forests shrouded the cold countries of atlantis and europe in regions where the sea now roared he lingered patting his horse then suddenly seized by a desire to flee away he turned quickly back as if he had suffered a revulsion of memory for those inhospitable times he only knew he wished to be near a human habitation to talk again with reasonable people and assure himself that men had at least compromised with nature in apprehension he plunged his stumbling horse through the ford in apprehension urged it quickly through the dark ravine and the gloomy forest and like a man pursued by an invisible enemy in the miserable rain galloped along the shores of the lake at the steep ascent he dismounted and after resting his horse a few minutes led it back under the trees up the steep hill to the stable thankful to be again near a house end of chapter thirteen recorded by expatriate in bangor maine